Hello all and welcome to What the Football, the foot podcast that puts the F into football. We're here to dissect the week of EPL, one in which the Invincibles lost. Many Liverpool supporters got a nosebleed and Raheem Sterling's class shone brighter than ever above a set of disgusting Chelsea supporters. I'm your host, Patrick Gilbert, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Con Taylor. Hello, Con. Hello, hello, hello from on top of the world. And uh, Dan Pogba, three consecutive appearances, not even off the bench. You have been stringing them together like no other. How are you going, Dan? Making a big comeback as always, I'm here. Yeah. First of all, just on that Manchester United game, I just want to say, Dan, I scoffed when you said that Manchester United would get a draw, but we were we were all basically right. I think if you stretch it, you you call the draw. If you you asked you asked me what I thought, and I thought Martial would be an, a danger for Arsenal, and he scored the goal. And Con, you hedged your bets, but you got got yourself right. You said. Arsenal win and maybe a draw. So you you can claim to be right as well, but I, can. I think I think we need to uh, make you a little bit stick your neck out a little bit more next time on the next <laughs> next uh, results that we go for. Um, usual. Yeah, sitting on the fence. So Five down there, Daniel. Speaking of that, let's get into the uh, what the football observations of the week. So con. What the football happened this week? Tell us. Well, a lot's happened, Pat. Um, you know, the Mighty Reds back on top where we belong. Only undefeated oh, yes. Liverpool, team. Liverpool won the league this week, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. We're now counting down for the rest of the uh, 22 games that remain and wish that the league could end now. Unfortunately not. But... Um, Look, it's, it's been a good week in the football um, world for Liverpool. Back-to-back wins. Um, one of the things I did highlight or wanted to talk about was uh, the astuteness of, of the defending and the, and the change that's happened in the last, you know, so to speak, three years, I suppose, at Liverpool. It's, it's actually a bit mind-boggling to believe last year the amount of goals we conceded so freely while playing probably, you know, a more open style, attacking play, scoring at will, um, but essentially conceding at will as well. And to see the turnaround from that to what we have now, I saw a stat the other day that sort of blew my mind where it said that the last time each of the current top six conceded more than once in the league, um, basically all the top Six, except for Liverpool, have conceded obviously within December uh, two goals or more. Um, and the last time Liverpool had done that is on April 21st. So mm. it's quite an astonishing stat when you consider, you know, two years back, the last year and the pre- preceding years before that. Um, the fact that Liverpool were always open defensively. You know, the, the, the change that Van Dijk and Robertson and Gomez and even Allison have made and the astute signings that Klopp have made have made us a lot tighter as a unit, the change of shape. And it's, it's there to see. It's, it's the best start from a defensive point of view at this point in the history of the English game. So, you know, it's really remarkable what Klopp has done in that time. And hopefully, hopefully, us, all us Liverpool supporters are kind of praying and 
hoping and not too concerned about tomorrow, to be quite honest. But really, really sort of focused on that Premier League result and where we go to from here. That's probably been the major thing that I've, I've noticed in the last week, aside from a couple of other things. But definitely a, an exciting time to be a Liverpool fan at this point. Yeah, I was just thinking about your defence the other day and uh, and you're just picking up so many clean sheets and, and that would have been just so far from your thoughts this time last year. 100%. Uh, well, Alice, just to talk on that stat, Alison, 10 clean sheets in, in 16 league games, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And I was trying to figure out why that is because I remember this time last year it was all about we're going to get Virgil van Dijk and he's going to fix it all up. And I, I did mock that a bit because I, I was looking at your defence and, and, and Lovren was being the scapegoat at that stage. But when I was looking at it, your defence was all over the shop, and I was and and I was thinking swap Lovren out for VVD. Yeah, it's not going to make much difference because I looked at looked at one goal, and you had one fullback pushing up, and the other fullback on the other side of the pitch, ten metres behind the defensive line, and and then and then Lovren gets blamed because he's under pressure and he and he coughs the ball up. You know what I mean? And yeah, and it's like, well, no, that probably would have happened even if that was VVD because. Because everyone's getting played on side, you're not playing as a unit. You're you're playing as separate individuals, and I thought Liverpool supporters had a false hope that you're going to get the Messiah in Van Dyke and he's going to fix everything. And 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 you've pointed a few other things apart from the acquisition of him. Obviously, Robertson's come in as you said, and and uh, and a different blend, a different formation. Um, but it, it just does seem that. May, that either you've been Liverpool have been working harder on the defensive shape and the teamwork and the tactics off the ground and made that change, or maybe I need to eat my words and say maybe it is Van Dijk because what I've seen of him, I was looking at him as a pure play coming in, but he's definitely been a leader for you guys on on the park. And when you get a a strong centre back who's a leader, he really can pull the other guys into line and say and say stuff like, "Hey guys, yeah. if I push up." I don't want anyone behind me, and then, yeah. and then and then he tears them one if if anyone's behind him when he looks around, and the fullbacks would quickly fall into the line if he's that type of player, and he looks like he's that type of leader back there, and if he knows what he's doing, he he seems to have really got the shape happening and got got the cohesion working it down back. I think you hit the nail on the head, Pat, and that's been the biggest thing is, you know, it's not so much that Lovren is a poor defender, or well, I, I keep my reservations about Matty, but it's not that Lovren is actually a poor defender. What I started really looking at was just the decision-making process when it came mm. to the critical times. And the one thing I've noticed massively about Virgil van Dijk, mate, if you watch him closely, his positional sense and his decision-making puts him in the right frame every single time. Very seldom does he make a stuff up. He's made a couple here and there. But ultimately, he never overcommits himself. He always positions his body in the right um, direction in which he feels that the ball is going to go. It was something I saw the other week. I think we were playing Watford. And uh, it could have been Troy Deeney or, or one of their players coming down the right-hand side of our defense. So Watford's left. And Van Dijk was literally in a position where, had it been Lovren or one of the other defenders, say Matty, they would have gone towards that defender and actually mm. tried to put in a tackle. He merely just positioned himself and left that, that, that attacker with multiple decisions to make in that split second 
which ultimately led to the attacker running straight into him, him winning the ball and playing the ball out. And I think it's that those little things in his game that far excels him above the current um, or the previous centre-backs that we had. Um, I think he actually works well with the player like Lovren. Lovren's a front-foot defender that wants to go in and make a tackle, but sort of doesn't have the capacity to think when to sit back and when to do certain things in different instances. And Virgil is that calming effect across the entire defense. You add Allison into that, and it just creates a spine um, from Firmino all the way up front, or Salah, whoever that may be, with obviously Van Alden now being probably the number one center midfielder that's effectively played nearly every minute of this entire season and you have a quite a solid spine which is what Klopp set out to do three years ago and I think he's um he's now got the pieces to that jigsaw and sometimes a bad defend well sometimes a defender like Lovren looks bad when he doesn't when he's not being instructed well like I, I, I think he's got the He's he's a very good defender if he knows what he's meant to be doing, and as as you said, he he'll he'll lose his head sometimes and charge out unless he's being instructed, unless he's got a general behind him saying like Virgil saying, Lovren, hold, hold, and giving yeah. them the instructions, drop, or the, all those simple instructions, and it just do take your point, Pat. He he definitely, like I say, he's a front foot defender and very active, Lovren, whereas Virgil is the complete uh, complete opposite. Um, in bringing that calmness across that back line. And I don't mind Lovren next to him in the defense. But what I don't like is Lovren and Matty playing together because that'll give you a few heart palpitations. But technically, there's been there's been an important change where before Liverpool's press was much higher. Yes. Um, and the kind of... The kind of two-folded problem with such a high press is that you are forcing a team to play to play a long ball. You're actually inviting In them behind. to do that. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, which is what you want them to do, but then without, before Liverpool had Van Dijk there, then you were exposing the likes of Lovren to those balls. So we're now being able to anticipate this, that, but also they they have they have realigned their press where they don't press so higher. Um, it's not as high as Man City certainly. Um, and I think that's that's been a major a major evolution of the tactics that mm. that Klopp has used, and it's been working. I mean, six goals conceded, I think, in sixteen games says it all. Um, so I think that's so I think that's been a more more important change. Yeah, I like it that teams have realised that 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 pushing all the way up to halfway isn't the be all and end all of defending. It's it, it was it just drove me crazy so many times, especially when you're up against fast attackers. I don't know why you'd want to put yourself on a foot race against mm. a fast attacker if you're a defend if you're four defenders. I mean, I mean, especially when when teams play one at one at the front most of the time. So you're going okay. You got four defenders versus one attacker in most situations, and you're going to turn it into a foot race where he can out outpace four of you by pushing up the halfway, and a simple ball over the top's going to put you in trouble. Mm. So. So yeah, do you, I mean, just on that point, just on that point, do you, you know, I always ask this question, but obviously when Klopp came in, you know, you have the players around you and Dan, you're a coach, but I'd imagine you look at the players around you, you kind of work out what it is that you need to get to the point that you want to be at. 
So the result of our press being what it was, we had the attack in order to compensate for the crap defense that we've had all these years. Now, it may not have got us any titles or anything like that, but it got us into a much better position than we were, say, four years ago. Now, with the acquisitions that we've actually made, are we seeing um, Klopp adapt the style more because he has the players that he's always effectively wanted to create this game? Yeah, sure. So that's I guess, a fair point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, that's, and that's why he was... It was good to bring him in after Rodgers. Him and Brendan Rodgers, very, very similar tactically in a lot of ways. Um, Rodgers started the high press at Liverpool. He brought in those those tactical changes, and in a way, Klopp built on from that. That's why, mm. you know, I said Rodgers didn't get the opportunity to build on from it. It, it takes, it obviously takes time. It, it takes bringing in uh, the correct type of players. Um, and learning from mistakes, uh, and I think that's that's what we're seeing the sort of the sort of evolution of that from now. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's it's good enough to carry them throughout the whole season, have my doubts on that. Yeah, uh, I still think, especially especially in in midfield, There may, there might be some some pressing issues there, but yeah, fair point. What's your what the football observation this week, Dan? Oh, United are back. They're going <laughs> to storm it from here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. To be to be fair, Fulham Fulham were wretched. Uh, Ranieri might be called the Tinker Man, but he's gonna he's gonna have to be bringing out toolboxes and wrenches and everything he's got to to save that lot because because they because Fulham were terrible. Uh, you know, when you see a team take the field and like they're expecting to concede four, they usually do end up conceding four, and that's kind of the the feeling you had about it. But it certainly was an improved performance. Um, not sure where 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 Mourinho takes it takes it from from there. Um, he's got a right back in in Dello. Young is not a long term solution. Uh, the back four is still even even against Fulham with ten men they were they were conceding chances. So there's still major issues there uh, for United. Who, who got sent off for Fulham? Uh, I don't know his name, a new chap. Hmm. Um, very harsh red card. Oh, yes. That was that second yellow, was it, when he actually got the ball and uh, Rashford basically piggybacked him and he got a yellow for something. I'm reading the second yellow. His, his name oh, is Z- Zambo Ang- Angisa, I think it is. Can you say that again, Con? Anga- Anga- Zambo Ang. Ang- <laughs> <laughs> I give up. I yeah, give what, up. What, what he said, yeah. <laughs> we'll just call him Zambo. Just Zambo. <laughs> and, and, and Fulham also took Mitrovic off just after half time. Is that right, Dan? 
Yeah, that was. I mean, that had been Mitrovic was being was being outplayed by Chris Smalling. So then you deserve to be taken <laughs> off. I, I think it's this is a sort of period where we always talk about the busy Christmas fixtures and and I'll just piggyback on your observation, Dan, because my observation was going to be that Christmas has come at the right time for Manchester United. Not 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 in the way that they can't <laughs> wait for Christmas to come, but in the way that these Christmas fixtures really do favour teams that have got a big quality squad. And there was a lot of remarks going on about the that Manchester United's bench against Arsenal cost more than the entire Arsenal squad. And... And and you go well, okay. You've got you, you've got Manchester United with those those capabilities in these these period where you're playing three matches a week, and you're coming against uh, coming up against Fulham, who don't have that don't have that squad. And those guys, Mitrovic, had been asked to play three matches in a week. He was he was obviously just a wreck. You know, what I mean, he was exhausted. And they've got no one of quality they can rotate him with. So it's a good time for. The bigger clubs like Manchester United, who've got those squads, to come up against the smaller clubs because if the big club clubs are finding it a little bit difficult, imagine what the smaller clubs are finding when they've got to play the same players in and out. So, so yeah, I feel sorry for the little clubs at this time, but but because that was your observation, Dan, that means that means I get to do another one. Um, my observation is at Manchester City that KDB is finally being missed. Sounds Kevin, a bit knee-jerk. Kevin De Bruyne. It, it, it is a bit knee-jerk, and we, we spoke about knee-jerks um, last week about the, the Chelsea first loss and all the yeah. knee-jerk reactions. But this one's more about the manner of the last few weeks and when I've seen City. And, and without Kevin De Bruyne... Who does a lot of the creativity and the the generalness, being the general in the midfield? Who does that fall to? Um, assuming it's David, David Silver. David Silver, exactly. And we we all know what a quality player he is, and he's one of my favourite midfielders to watch. Over the last few seasons, they've been very careful with overplaying him, and we with with KDB. You don't have to overplay him, but it sort of seemed to me that David Silver has been really played a lot, and he's probably feeling it. And and, and even on the weekend against Chelsea, when the game was up for grabs, they they didn't play him a full game, did they? And he would be the player who they'd need to play a full game to win these big games. So I'm just so I think he's the one feeling a bit of the strain of not having his partner in crime running that midfield and giving him a chop out when he needs, giving him a break. And, yeah, I, th- I think they just lost a bit of direction after, after half time. And, and yeah, and David Silva is feeling it. Mm, interesting. I mean, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to judge after one, one particular result. I think uh, the game was tough. It was always going to be tough against Chelsea for City, especially off the back of Chelsea's result against Wolves in midweek. You know, they couldn't really afford to be going back-to-back losses. But, um, I mean, look, you can't take too much away from City in the fact that they've had a phenomenal start to the season without Kevin De Bruyne. 
Is he going to be missed at some point? Will it be a, a case over the period now where there's a lot of fixtures coming up um, that you start seeing the effects of not having him around potentially? But you know, I'd probably reserve judgment from a personal perspective um, on that one than to say, you know, after one loss, it's sort of, it's, it's because he's not there. I think City have been exceptional for every part of the season for a couple of games and yeah, I think I, I personally, I'd, I'd probably reserve judgment on that comment. You gonna back me up, Dan? Are you gonna wait a bit longer? <laughs> no. no, I mean, of course, a player like uh, De Bruyne would be missed. He's 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 one of the top players in the world. Uh, he'd be he'd be he'd be a he'd be a Bellum Door candidate. Um, so of course a player like that is going to be missed. Um, you know, but you know, as you're saying, obviously it's not a, it's not, in, not, not anything like a crisis. You lost, you lost one game. Uh, City, you can't really call it defensive vulnerabilities, but there are, there are things you can exploit. You know, especially sort of on, on Fabian Delft's side, defensively. He's not. He's not the strongest. Um, and then, as you say, he doesn't have. He doesn't have the backup with the likes of Sane and and Silva, who are still more attacking players. And and Chelsea seem to exploit that that really well. Um, Just on uh, that point, Chelsea, Dad. Sorry, on that yeah. point, I fully agree with you. I said it last week about City. Although as a unit, they generally pretty good defensively. There are major gaps in that actual defense, very similar to what I used to think of the Barcelona team at at one stage with PK and Mascherano. I think there are opportunities there to exploit, and exactly down that left hand side with like Fabian Delph, which is where Chelsea sort of seem to pinpoint a lot of their attacks. The opportunities are there to exploit City. It's just where the teams are brave enough to actually take it. When you look at it for for a top team, they don't they they don't actually keep that many clean sheets for such a dominant team. They always seem to cop a goal. No matter if, if they're winning 4-0, they'll cop one to make it 4-1. Uh, it's been a bit of a nightmare to have the Man City defender in your fantasy team because you think you you got a clean sheet and it, they just leak a goal. Just You're right. Yeah, it's a very attacking setup. You know, even if they have four, you know they're going for five. Um, and he has had to... He has had to change his backline a few times, Guardiola. You seem to think he wants he wants company in there and he needs company in there, but of course he's he's often not available. And they haven't they haven't quite settled on on whether it's three central defenders or two that they're going with. So so there are sort of communication or tactical issues there and they and they kind of rotate between uh, Laporte and Kyle Walker. Um, so, you know, always when you when you change when you're changing the backline, there's go, there's going to be opportunities there for teams to to look at. You know, how can we ex- exploit exploit any any opportunities? Con, do you have another observation for us? Um, I did actually. No, I seem to have forgotten what it was. Um, oh. Well, where should we go to Dan while you... I think so. Yep, like Dan. 
Yeah, no, my obs observation would then be on the on the bottom of the table, and you brought it up, Pat, with the the clubs with the the smaller squads and Fulham and and Southampton. They've they've got major load of work to do, and this is obviously why they've brought in the their managers now. They've got a a number of games before January, which is of course when the transfer window is open. Uh, those managers don't really have have the luxury of experimenting. But as we've seen with both of them, they obviously want to have a look at their squad and what they've got to work with. Um, the problem is with the number of t the games you played before January, you're already into the second half of the season. Um, so you have to uh, be picking up points wherever you can. Um, uh, so especially for the likes of Fulham and, and Southampton, Southampton especially, which have which have become a sort of a very steady Premier League side, you know, they're, they're in major trouble. My, one of my other observations was we've really touched on Manchester City, so I won't get into too much detail on it, but I was just just thinking it just proved how hard it is to go unbeaten in a season. I, mean, I was actually <laughs> just beginning to entertain the thought last week about Manchester City. I was looking at them and and thinking how good they looked. Oh, and yeah. Tell us who was the team that went unbeaten that time. <laughs> Remind us. Yeah. Well, was it Arsenal? <laughs> the mighty Invincibles. But gee, I was just thinking, if if any team's going to do it, it's Manchester City, and then they go and lose just out of nowhere. So it just shows how hard it is. Now Liverpool's got a chance to do it, um, but I haven't entertained that thought yet. I don't think that's possible with them. They're they're doing great, but I don't think they've got that quality yet to go through undefeated. I know. I feel with Liverpool, they are, as much as Con thinks that Firmino is their most important player, I think it's basically game over if they lose Salah. Um, I think he just makes, he's just this, well, while it's sort of a bit uh, demeaning to say they're dependent on him, because they've got so many other good players, but I think it's it's basically you can close closer curtains on a, on a, on the title if you lose Salah. I think if you lost Firmino, I don't think it would be as devastating. I might digress and tell you that I personally think that if any of those front three were out for a sustained period, we would struggle. I think 100% that Salah right now is probably the most important because of the goals he gets. It's a bit unfair on Firmino because he's, his impact has been somewhat diminished because of the change in his role. So he's playing a lot deeper these days and he's been asked to do a completely different role in the team. But I think you take any of those front three out for a consistent enough period and um, I firmly believe we would be nowhere near the top of the table. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Do, do you have, have you thought of the other point, Con? Yeah, it was just on uh, what I believe to be the next manager to be on the uh, edge of that plank and, uh, Ooh, you know, tell us. Mr. Roy Hodgson, Crystal Palace, absolutely <laughs> diabolical at the moment. Their form is just um, a complete shambles. I, it's a bit strange. I don't know what's quite gone wrong at, at Crystal Palace. I know, obviously, the injuries to Zaha, yeah, and there when he's not there, we know the effect that has on, on that team. But, you know, from going, when he came in, when they were sort of fighting, I think, relegation at one stage a couple of seasons ago, he steadied the ship and... It seems to have gone downhill quite dramatically this season where Crystal Palace um, just cannot find any form. I think they've had two wins in the last 10 games. 
with six losses and a couple of draws in there. It's it's been quite shambolic for them because they're normally a very difficult side to play against, and yet teams are so picking they, up wins quite easily at Sellers Park. So they should get Mark Hughes and to keep them up. <laughs> I think he may be the messiah they're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Crystal Palace, they just basically can't score goals, can they? I mean, you, I mean, Dan, you've brought it up last year. I remember talk about a team so reliant upon a player within Wilfred Zaha. Um, they they need they just need, and it's amazing. I'm going to describe someone who they've actually got. They just need a big guy who can score goals, take the physical pressure off Zaha, and you know who it is. It's Benteke. He can't but, score, but... But he just hasn't <laughs> scored a goal for two years. But if they could get Benteke even, into form on the park... Say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's exactly what they need, but he just can't do the job. So, But, yeah, if they could get him up and firing, they'd be such a much better team. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I oh, go on. Sorry. Surely there's a team. Surely there's a team higher up the table that'll snap up Zaha in January. You know, just you would think. Say, if he if he went to a team like a, a West Ham, Leicester, Everton, something like that. Oh, sure, surely Everton. Arsenal would snap him up. Surely that's we need a player like that to uh, swap him for a Wobi, as an example. <laughs> Get Zaha running down that left wing with all those opportunities a Wobi gets. Gee, that would be a massive addition. Yeah. Well, there you go, and that would absolutely destroy Palace. It would be. Um, okay, just a little observation. Seeing that someone brought up Arsenal, um, I, th I feel I, I have to bring him up. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't resist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just just wanted to say, and I had this written down from last week, and I didn't get to say it because I had too many, but. Arsenal, they've just got that a belief in resilience that we haven't seen for a long time. It is mate, just that, Pat, those Pat, games. I've never, I've never mate, seen mate. you this giddy in all the years <laughs> I've known you, mate. Mate, Arsenal, Arsenal are fifth. You're like it. You're like it. You're like United, a teenage girl. United are sixth. Love for the United, are, United are sixth, and it's a disaster. Arsenal are fifth. <laughs> Mate, mate, you, you've had your best week and you still haven't gained a point on us. You're still eight points behind. Anyway, they, they, these, these games against Huddersfield, mate, they were, they, were, they, they were games we would have let slip in previous, previous yeah. years. We were not playing well. There were some worrying signs in that first half. Some of our guys seem to have reverted back to the type of play that they were doing last year. I mean, Xhaka, who I've been full of praise for, up until now, his first half was going back to his old days. He would do some bad turnovers, trying to trying to pass the ball outside our defensive box straight to the opposition. Those type of things. Um, we we had, we had Mustafi going back to his 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 tricks of trying to play people offside when he's not the last man, and and it just dangerous signs. And I go, oh no, it's all going to fall apart. Um, but. It didn't, and uh, once once again, our, our friend Loki put put did a few couple of changes at half time, which I thought was a risk this time. Almost got himself in trouble with the with the third injury that happened, but uh, yep. but yeah, managed to. You can see that second half they they were resilient and they really thought that they could win it, and they pushed and pushed and pushed, and they found that one moment of quality to actually make it happen, and and. And yeah, by by Almay Terreira, who has just been continual re revelation. I, I, I'm sort of sick of 
Well, I'm not sick of it. I hope people aren't sick of us talking about him because he has just been such a difference. He's 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 probably our most important player at the moment. Um, yeah, so we we're, we're winning games like that, which we wouldn't have won last year because the team just believes and we're, we're under so much pressure from the manager to win those games. As you, and he's he's been good, and uh, so that's 20 matches in a row undefeated for us. So just. Just a quiet record there. So um, that brings us to the end of the what the football observations, and we're up to Daniel's favourite segment. Okay. Okay, Daniel. Well, the uh, trivia has been going so smoothly this season so let's keep it going i'll, I'll try and cock that up uh, <laughs> <laughs> well the mls had a bit of focus this week so i thought i'd look into into that league a bit especially we've got at least one one listener in the states um <laughs> but i think it's a i think it's it's a growing league and it's obviously started off with the 94 world cup had a sort of then plateau middle period where it seemed like you know maybe it wasn't going to work out but it seems to be it seems to be going strength by strength expanding every year sorry what are you talking about the mls the major league soccer where's that in the u.s you're talking about u.s soccer on this show yeah they just said seventy-three thousand for their for the MLS championship final. Well, Australia had like 90,000 at their, actually I lie, we had about 65,000 at our grand final a number of years ago. I didn't hear you bring it up on this show then. No, I didn't and I won't. Okay, <laughs> go on. I, the next time run, run it past me before you bring up US soccer. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's a, but that final, by the way, was had a bigger attendance than the last four Super Bowl games. Cool. Quite something. Amazing. But anyway. Yep. The, the trivia question is <laughs> who are the three Canadian teams in the MLS? Okay. Wow. Okay. We're gonna have a think about that and get back to Daniel with the answer. I'm Scott Lee stumped at the moment. I'm having a good think about it. But I'm just I'm just trying to recall playing FIFA and the Canadian teams I see pop up in the MLS is the only way I can reference that answer. <laughs> yeah, I've decided that uh, my next football manager save I'm gonna have a, gonna have an MLS season or two. <laughs> Speak, speaking of football manager Dan, I noticed you were playing it the other night and you lost one nil yeah. to the Arsenal. It's a bit of bad luck. It was a great result. I've, I've taken Leighton Orient up to up to League One, and we drew Arsenal in the cup and lost one 0 A win's a win. <laughs> Chaka scored.
What the football wanker of the week? We're going to start off with you, Daniel. What does your marble shacky say? What does my what say? <laughs> what does your marble shacky say is the wanker of the week this week? Yeah, there weren't too many that sort of that sort of were were outstanding candidates this week, but uh, you know, when I thought about it. We got to we got to award it to somebody. And there's a manager who's a, who's a particularly sore loser when things don't go his way. And Not Jose again. And then, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Give the blog Jose a break. Jose is a sore winner, mate. Never mind. <laughs> no, but there you have at Newcastle, our man Rafa asking for VAR replays and doing doing the sign on the side of the field. You know, and now he comes out with VAR must be introduced immediately into the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously that's not going to happen. And obviously there's no VAR at the game, Rafa. Um, so, so, so maybe, maybe look, at, look at other issues because, you know, it works both ways. So my nomination for this week is Rafa Benitez. Rafa. Well, he gets his first point. So he closely, last week, the uh, the Newcastle owner got his first point, and now the Newcastle manager gets his first point. So a bit of a trend happening there. Con, what does your marble shacky say? My marble shacky says, um, I'm going to give it to a former Everton striker. Um, seeing as we beat him in the derby a, a week ago, I'll just select this guy for his great analysis as TV pundits go. I seem to be on a roll with these TV pundits for some <laughs> reason. But the more I listen to them, the more I just get frustrated. But anyway, for this great, great um, um, analysis as to why Liverpool won't win the league, I just thought it was the most insightful stuff I've ever read. So take it away, Kevin Campbell. Um, I just think Rarely, when you look at it, if there's any injuries, you look at the squads, and although Liverpool, although Liverpool's squad is strong, I think Man City have a stronger squad. And this is why I believe they will not win the title. What's wrong what with is that? that? What's it, wrong with these that? Guys what, get, he's saying there's a strong, they've got a stronger squad, and that'll prove the difference. You said that, the same thing like a couple of minutes ago. Is that not the most obvious thing? I think it's obvious. Why would you even state something like that? It's not a debate. It's, you can get a five-year-old to make that um, <laughs> conclusion with the two teams. These guys are paid to give it, to talk something a little. What's <laughs> gone? Is he got got up, got too upset there? He's off shouting at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> What's he going on about? I mean, if. If Campbell's been asked the question between Liverpool and Man City, who's going to win the league? And he says, well, I think Man City's going to win it because they've got a stronger squad. You have to look at it not only from the squad perspective, Dan, but you've got to look at it from, you've got to look at it from what's going on on the field. You know, what, what's happening on the field? Don't just come out and get paid money to say well, one has a stronger squad than the other and that's why they're winning the league. That's a load of shit. Why, why get Kevin Campbell to say that? what's happening on the field. He is looking he's what's not. happening on the field. He's not. He's just saying one comment that's easy to... It's like saying, 
it's exactly like saying that stupid cliche that we all hear that you love to hear. Uh, 2-0 is the worst lead, and that's it. They just leave it at that point. No one elaborates why they think 2-0 is the worst lead. They just say 2-0 is the worst lead. And that, that's great yeah, analysis, that's, is it? But that's, but that's based on, on no reason. <laughs> um, so sometimes, Con, the, the simplest explanations are the right ones. Uh, I, I think I you're being agree. a bit harsh on former Arsenal striker Kevin Campbell. Did he play for Arsenal as well, did he? Shame, poor chap. That explains even more. <laughs> okay. My Marble Shacky says that the wanker of the week, I, I almost gave it to Jamie Carragher on his his uh, Sky football podcast when he was oh, trying oh, to... get con even more riled up than his. <laughs> I'm already well, riled up. Well, he's going, picking up on going. former Arsenal Kevin Campbell. So I might as well pick, up, pick on former Liverpool Jamie... Uh, Carragher, he started talking about VAR also, and I will dig up this clip, but yeah, he he called it VR and then virtual reality, which which <laughs> is, is obviously <laughs> taking taking the reviews a little bit far to have virtual reality reviews. That would but... be interested in the Premier League. <laughs> you could have Rafa on the side with a virtual reality set. <laughs> But, 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 but that was just a slip of the tongue and a bit, a bit funny. So I thought I'd let him get away with that one. Um, and I was just impressed I could understand what he was saying for a change. The, <laughs> the, the person that I, I mean, I, I think it was easy, this one. I can't believe you guys didn't do it. I mean, I even alluded to it on the intro. Those Chelsea fans, those four Chelsea fans that have now had their memberships cancelled on them, who racially abused Raheem Sterling. I mean, I think they are without doubt wankers of the week. I mean, I... I, I go I on. I don't think they deserve... They don't even deserve an award. Well, well they're, they're not going to get it, but, but they are in the lead at the moment. There's lots of people on one vote at the moment. There's 12 people on one vote. I won't say all their names, but our illustrious Sol Campbell is <laughs> one of them who won it last year. And Robert Wall's commentator hasn't got a mention this year. So he's obviously lifted his game. I don't Speaking think uh, Kevin Campbell's re related to Sol. I don't think so. <laughs> okay, the Campbell brothers. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of games, we are about to play. The game of the take out of context and do what you want. Context and do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favourite segment. I will say that. It's your favourite segment, and because of the production issues we had last week, where Dan guessed all the answers, and then at the end told us <laughs> he could see the the name of the file clip that I was actually playing, which gave him a hint. Those issues have been remediated, and they're just called clip one and clip two this week, so there'll be no chance for nice, Dan nice. cheating this week. Um, I'm still going to get it. Okay. Now take a close listen to this and tell me who you think it is and what they're talking about. Liverpool have uh, Manchester United at home, Wolves away, and Newcastle and Arsenal. Yeah, is that all you're giving us? <laughs> Yes, it is. So tell me oh. what they were talking of, talking about. Did you hear that last little bit at the end? Arsehole. Arsehole. Arsehole at the end. Arsehole. 
Instead asshole. of Arsenal, he's gone and said asshole. Just to <laughs> clarify that for everyone, I'll give right. you one more listen while you're thinking. Liverpool have uh, Manchester United at home, Wolves away, and Newcastle and Arsenal. Thanks for the echo on that arsehole. It made it sound even better. So, <laughs> did you guys know what we're talking about here? Well, I think it's, it's talking about Liverpool's, Liverpool's fixtures. fixtures, yeah. And why would they be talking about those fixtures? Because um, that's the upcoming that's games. The okay. You guys are no good at this one. You guys fail this one. <laughs> actually, this, this, actually, actually. Can I have a second guess? Yes. Was he referring to... Actually, I missed that entire segment. Was he referring to the top six teams only? Or did I mishear that? No. Okay. Never you were mind. right. It was a fixture run-in for Liverpool. Right. But why are they going through the fixture run-in? What's it running up to? Christmas. Okay. It is... The BBC Five Radio live team, and that was Mark Chapman talking about Liverpool's run into the big game with Manchester City. Ah, uh, right. Okay, got that one. You, you, one. You're not you're not so good, Dan, without cheating. Let's try <laughs> the next one. It was pretty quiet, I must say. Listen to this one. He's actually searching for the ball. Yeah, but is that what he's trying to do? He's actually trying to get low to actually look through people's legs. <laughs> well, that sounds like Jamie Carragher. Yeah, that was definitely Carragher and Neville. <laughs> yes, correct. You've got both of them. You've got both of them, yeah. But what are they talking about? I think they were talking about... I think they were talking about Ginny Wijnaldum. Not Ginny Wijnaldum. Navigators double... Nutmeg on a couple of plays, no? That was Ashley Young, man. So you know who, who it is. I'll give you one more listen and you can think about what they're talking about. And as a clue, it happened in the last 24 hours. He's actually searching for the ball. Yeah, but is that what he's trying to do? He's actually trying to get low to actually look through people's legs. Up through keepers, what? Up through people's legs. Ah, oh, through people. That bloody Scouse accent, mate. That'll do your head in. <laughs> <laughs> Last 24 hours. Obviously, that's in the Everton Watford game. Correct. Someone was hiding, someone was hiding behind the wall. <laughs> You're close. Uh, was, that in, uh, was that in relation to the free kick equaliser? It was. Okay. Ah. I don't know. That's as far as I can go with that guess. Dan, any? Uh... No, I didn't. I didn't see it. I did not see the incident. Okay, so you got pretty, pretty. You almost got there, guys. You got who was saying it, and you got got the moment. It was they're talking about the keeper, Watford keeper, and and his positioning. I'm trying to see the free kick that was done by Dina. Right. So have a listen again. He's trying to crouch and see between people's legs. He wasn't in the right position, according to these guys. He's actually searching for the ball. Yeah, but is that what he's trying uh. to do? He's actually trying to get low to actually look uh. through people's legs. Oh, now I can hear that. Now that makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
nice you, one, got, you got you guys are horrible with that <laughs> cheating you got both of them wrong after making it easier for you next week it's amazing okay. when nobody can see the actual answer how difficult it is <laughs> it is amazing isn't it dan yeah yeah Funny, okay dan. speaking of dan it wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't cheating no the answers were on, were on the screen i, I agree yeah, good one. Well, speaking of Dan. Okay. okay, Dan, the can you repeat the question for our listeners yeah. and to buy me a little bit more thinking time for this? <laughs> yeah, name the three Canadian clubs that play in the American MLS. Well, I know one. Is Toronto FC? Oh, the, that's well done. They originally named Toronto FC. Yeah, have they changed their name? No, I'm saying that's. I was being that's, sarcastic. Ah, okay. <laughs> Great job. Van, Vancouver. Uh, yeah, Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver's the city. What's what's the full name of the? Of oh, the, the full name, including the nickname of them. So. Oh. No, not the nickname, just the name, actual name of the, like, the club. Oh, okay. It's Vancouver something. It'd be Vancouver City, wouldn't it? No. Oh. Vancouver, Van, said, Vancouver, Vancouver FC. <laughs> <laughs> They're good for a Cougar. Bruce Grubbler actually played for them in the old uh, NASL back in the day. The Vancouver Whitecaps. Oh. Mm. And Vancouver. Ottawa. No, the last city. I'll give you the city. The city is Montreal. Ah. Uh, Montreal Blazers. No. Pat, for the win. <laughs> for the win. Oh, this is pressure. <laughs> Pressure's on. The. No, no, just, you this didn't is... get the other one, did you? He got off of it. Okay. Yeah. So we we've, we've both got. Yeah, it probably is for the win, Con, if I'm going to be completely honest. You're going to have to get it, yeah. Otherwise, um, I'll win another one. Oh, I'm, this is a complete guess. The Montreal... Can I... Polar Bears. <laughs> <laughs> Am I close? At least I know you didn't get that one. <laughs> Are there even polar bears in Montreal? <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Uh, my, not that it. Montreal. Not that it. City. That I'll try City again. i double up on City. Montreal Impact. <laughs> the Impact. What a rubbish name. <laughs> yeah, well, not as good as Polar Bears. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely Polar Bears is the winner for sure. <laughs> Maybe that'll be one of the expansion teams. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Let's have a quick chat about Liverpool versus Man United and also the big European matches coming up. Um, Dan, can you kick us off with the... Oh, which one do you want to talk about first? No, obviously, obviously Liverpool United's a game. United are already through in the Champions League. Sailed through. <laughs> okay, Con, t tell us a bit about Liverpool's... European matchup? Oh, well, look, the Napoli game, you know, it's clear what we need. We've put ourselves in this position with the 
with the three horrendous performances away from home, nothing less than we deserved. But at the end of the day, you know, I think people didn't take into account how strong Napoli actually are. I know I certainly didn't. When I looked at the group initially, I thought, nah, Napoli aren't going to be what they were last season. We'll be fine. Um, but you know, getting a shoot manager like Ancelotti, they've become quite a formidable team, and especially in Europe, to, to beat. So the group has actually turned into a bit of a group of death between those three teams. Um, and I think if you, if you ask me to be at home against uh, an opposition coming to Anfield needing a result, um, you know, I'll probably take that anyway because European Knights at Anfield are known um, to be quite something special. You know, a 1-0 gets us through and any two-goal win after that. So 2-1 isn't good enough, but 1-0 is. Um, and if you are, told me that was the, the way that we needed to get through, then I'll take that. And I, I, think we'll, I think we'll somehow get the job done. I won't lose any sleep, to be perfectly honest with you, if we got knocked out. Um, the only issue with getting knocked out, the only issue with getting knocked out is we have to contend with uh, joining Chelsea and Arsenal in the bloody Europa <laughs> League. So I prefer to stay in the competition. But the main focus, to be perfectly honest, is um, that United game. I mean, after taking the lead over City now, it's really imperative that we do not drop points this weekend against United because I think City will bounce back against Everton. So that is a massive game. You know, I take nothing for granted against United. They could be playing the shittest football. It was similar to us all those years ago when United would dominate in the league. And there would be games against us and they could easily lose to us because of the passion in those fixtures. So I'm certainly not taking it for granted, even if it is at Anfield. And um, yeah, I just hope we're able to get the three points and do the job, whatever the performance looks like. I'm tipping a 2-1 win to Liverpool. Against United? No, against Napoli. Pissed off, Matt. You've got an Italian, you've got an Italian team needing a draw. We've seen this movie before. <laughs> Liverpool, Manchester United, what are your thoughts? Oh, it's a total, total Mourinho shutdown. And United go to Anfield and take three points. What time does the bus <laughs> arrive, Dan? Probably, probably a 1-0 probably a 1-0 win. <laughs> with, with Liverpool's famed scoring at will coming to an end. Uh, <laughs> and then Liverpool fans will be quiet once again. And normal service will return. And there you have it, Pat. And there you have it. Well, Dan was right in the prediction last week. We'll see if he's right again. So, guys, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for joining me. And listeners, thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you this time next week. And remember, you can follow us at WT underscore football on Twitter and Facebook. Can't give us a Facebook address. Uh, it is WT Football. WT Football on Facebook, and we'll see you all next week. Good luck, sir.